Welcome to the Hidden Bookshelf Club. This is Tony with the Hidden Bookshelf Club, and I am here with author Birdie Rivers, who writes Paranormal Romance. And how are you today, Birdie? I am good. How are you? Trying to stay warm. <laughs> yes, warm and awake. Well, I'm trying to stay awake. <laughs> oh, that would be nice. I have coffee. Coffee I did. I had, I had Starbucks this morning. I, I, I needed the extra, uh, you know, where the at-home coffee just isn't quite going to cut it. You need, you know, the there's something magical, right, about, you know, going out and getting your coffee. There's like something extra that makes it feel better inside. So uh, that was that was my on my agenda today. I was like, I need Starbucks. <laughs> there is something magical about Starbucks. I don't know how they make their coffee, but that is not it is magical <laughs> and uh actually starbucks was my first job that i started uh, that i worked when i was 16 until about 19 when i started college and uh it was a fun place to work like i'm not gonna lie like i don't know if it's still like that i mean you know we're talking it, it's been a hot minute so you know i'm no longer 16 so we're talking over 10 plus years so i have no idea what it is to work there now but when i worked there it was a lot of fun and like I wish I figured out the magic to their coffee other than just it's really tasty. <laughs> yes. I need you to um go back and work at Starbucks so we can figure this out. No, right? Well, um, you know, I'll make like coffee or like drinks for people and they're like, "Why do you make them so fancy?" And I'm like, "I worked at Starbucks for like three and a half years, okay? It's like embedded in my brain to like be a barista, you know, and like you know, not that I could do like fancy coffee art or anything like that, but you know, like I know how to make a drink look pretty. It's an experience. That's why we make it look pretty. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, so let's start off. You have, you have a standalone, which is the voice of the sea. And yes. then you have three series the shattered series children of the empire series and the coven legacy series yes um and then the coven and the crow just got the runner-up kingcraft award yes yeah they um that was really exciting um to get that um i'm hoping to make it to the award ceremony that they do. Um, I think it's sometime in the spring or summer. Uh, I think it's going to be in Louisiana. So hopefully, well, they have to um, have enough participants to do it in person with, uh, you know, all the COVID guidelines and stuff. So hopefully enough people um, are interested in doing the actual award ceremony. Cause I think that would be really fun to participate in. Um, so I did get like all the stickers and the official like certificate and all that good stuff. So, but I think a actual ceremony would be really fun to uh, participate in. Ceremonies are fun. I've held one before and it was super fun. That's I'm part hoping. of what I want to do in 2024 too, is I'm going to start my own awards with the hidden bookshelf club. And there oh, will be, be, be a ceremony where people can get their awards. Yes, I'm definitely all for that. Um, make it, it makes it feel official and I think it makes it uh, feel more real, if that makes sense. Like, it's like one thing to like get the stickers and like, you know, your official certificate, but it's like another thing to actually participate in a ceremony where you're getting like an award handed to you and it feels more like realistic and real at that point for some reason. 
And it gives us a reason to get gussied up. Exactly. And when you're a, a mom, uh, I feel like as a mom, I don't I don't get to dress up all that often or like wear makeup or do anything. Um, and kudos to all the moms who actually do get up and do their hair and makeup because <laughs> I don't have that kind of energy. Um, but I applaud those that do. Yeah, my there is no makeup on this face this morning. <laughs> no, no, I, I hardly I have makeup, but I couldn't tell you the last time I actually put it on. Like I think it may have been for like goodness gracious, I think it may have been for the twins like first birthday party <laughs> three years ago. Um so yeah, it's it's been a hot minute. Um since I've actually put makeup on and uh, done my hair and, you know, put other than I like to call them bum clothes, you know, like sweatpants or pajama pants and a t-shirt. Um, I, I call them comfy. With jeans you can call them bum. It's fine. Yeah, total bum clothes. I can't even tell you the last time I've worn like jeans or anything like that. Um, we just stick to leggings and sweatpants and all that good stuff because it's easier. So I know that on your coven series the last book you put in that the coven series itself was finished but there was going to be a spinoff can you tell us a little bit about your spinoff series that you're going to start yes so um the last book of the series is going to be released uh early next year probably end of january beginning february it's complete it's off to the editor now so it kind of depends on how quick she can go through it um so that'll be the last book and that one's um new era and so just kind of to briefly go over the series so each book can be read as a standalone but i suggest you read them all because it helps you kind of gauge the world that's created um so the first each book features a different couple um but obviously the couples from the previous books make their own you know they make appearances throughout um so the first book is about um, Ari and Zane. They're the, the main couple that kind of constantly reappears. And then the next three books in the series, Ghost Opera, uh, Mayhem and Death, and New Era are about their kids. So each kid gets their own book. And then the spinoff series is going to be The Legacy Continues. And that is going to be about... Um, the grandkids or the kids kids so i have that in the works it's basically my goal is to basically have it as a series of different like novellas um so there will be a volume one and a volume two and the first volume is going to focus on ever and kai's children and then the second part of it is going to focus all on Rebels children since she had a little bit more than her siblings. Um, so they kind of get their own and they're also separated for their own reasons um, because they are in kind of a different realm. And if you read the books, you kind of understand why they'll be separated um, and why they're in different realms. Um, so I'm really excited about that one. I've got the uh, first part of it in the works i've actually started writing it um and getting it going and that will those two will definitely be released next year um after new era comes out one will probably be released in the spring and then one will be released in the summer 
Um, and I'm kind of interesting because I've never really done it like a collection of like novellas and uh, together to release. It'll be kind of like an anthology, but just all written by me, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, just no different authors, just me. Um, but I'm excited to do it this way. Um, I didn't want to do each one like a, a actual like book because I felt it would just be kind of dragging it out a little too much. Um, and I want to tell their stories, but I don't want it to feel like it's dragged out. And so I decided to do them kind of like short novellas and then publish um, a couple together and then do like kind of a volume one and a volume two. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. I really have enjoyed this series. It's probably, no, it is my favorite series that I've ever written so far. Um, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the characters. There's a lot of myself in these characters, especially Ari. She is kind of a carbon copy of me. Um, and Zane is kind of a carbon copy of uh, my fiance. So um, I put a lot of me and uh, my experiences into these particular characters and, and storylines. So I very much enjoyed writing this series and um, it's definitely probably the more popular of my series uh, so far. So I've really enjoyed this series. And so I was kind of sad to have the main series end, but then I was like, I'm going to do a spinoff series. So when the spinoff series <laughs> ends, I'm probably going to be a kind of like a, not disappointed, but it's going to be like that closing of an error, if that makes sense. <laughs> Oh You're going to have empty nest syndrome. <laughs> yes. Yes. With my books. Yeah. But there's always new ones to be um, written. Um, I'm always working on like, even now I'm working on. So for like voice of the sea and the children of the empire, those are all retellings. Um, so children of the empire is retelling of snow white, Rapunzel, beauty and the beast, Cinderella. And, um, Sleeping Beauty, all all of them interact. It's kind of if anyone's ever watched Once Upon a Time, it's kind of that kind of concept where like they all interact in their own world type thing. Um, so you get to see the multiple princesses, you know, interacting and their stories intertwined. Um, and then Voice of the Sea is The Little Mermaid. Um, I kind of felt like that was obvious, but uh, <laughs> to put that out there. So that's my Little Mermaid retelling. I will have a um, Red Riding Hood retelling that I'm planning on releasing uh, probably towards the end of 2023. Um, and that one's going to be called Hunting My Wolf. And uh, that is, um, it is, and, and when I say retellings, these are all kind of like loose retellings, if that makes sense. They're not like exact retellings. They're more just kind of loose retellings of them. Um, and another one that I have in the works is kind of an Aladdin retelling. And this one was probably the more looser of all of the retellings that I've ever done. Um, but it's going to have elements. You're going to see things and you're going to be like, oh, that's, you know, this, you know, you're related back. Um, and if you're a big, you know, Disney nerd like me, you're going to probably relate things back to the Disney version of things, even though, um. There's obviously more than one. Di the Disney version is the more popular version, but there are um, multiple versions of fairy of the fairy tales out there. So I like to pull from all the different versions of the fairy tales, not just the Disney version. So I usually spend a good amount of time researching all the different fairy tales and their different um, 
different stories across the different cultures and things like that and kind of pull them on, uh, pull it all in. And then obviously I add my own little twists to it. So, um, I will have a couple of retellings coming out next year. Um, but the big thing is uh, completing the, uh, completing the coven series, um, and getting the spinoff complete too. And then, um, releasing a couple of other ones. And then I do have, um, books on some of the reading apps like good novel and uh i reader and places like that um that are kind of i write as i go um they're not necessarily complete i mean they obviously eventually end up being complete um but when they start them off they're not usually complete it's just kind of i write as i go which is totally different than releasing the books out on amazon and having it all complete um and I like both styles. It's so depending on the story, like when I'm coming up with a story, my, my always debate is, okay, is this going to be an Amazon story that I'm going to release on like Amazon and Barnes and Nobles? Or is this going to be like a reading app story that I'm just going to kind of work on as I go and put them out there as I go. So I will have a couple new um, stories going out on the reading apps next year as well. Busy, busy very busy with the three kiddos and all the and all my writing (laughs) but I feel like if I'm not busy then I'm in my own head and you know I don't know if you're like me but I don't like being in my head so (laughs) um I like to keep busy um so if someone was new to reading paranormal romance books which book would you hand them to start with of yours i would hand them the coven series um because sorry i have a tickle in my throat (coughs) um i would hand them the coven series because it's kind of classical paranormal romance um in the sense that there's a lot of different elements that get bought into the series. Um, there's tons of, well, not tons, but there's different um, supernaturals in there. It's not just, you know, warlocks. Um, so the premise of the story is warlocks that have shifters as their familiars. So for Ari, she is a lichen. Zane is a warlock, but he's also um, a little bit more than that. He's a demigod. So there's a kind of a Greek mythology hint throughout the series um, of you kind of get the vibes of like a um, not an Olympus vibe, but you get there's the five, which are your main gods. So, you know, like you have the main 12 gods of Olympus. Um, so you have the main five that cover, um, that are the main gods. You get a little bit of, um, other supernaturals like gargoyles and phoenixes, unicorns come into play. Dragons will be coming into play in, um, the spinoff series. You get, um, different types of hybrids. So, um, in ghost opera, you get, um, a ghost human hybrid and then Zane and Ari's children are hybrid. So you get a warlock or witch hybrid mixed with lichens. So um, there's a lot of fun and different elements that kind of go into play. Um, 
And of course it's spicy. So, you know, those who like the smutty books will enjoy them. (laughs) Um, I would also say um, voice of the sea is pretty good, but it's a little bit darker. So um, you have to be a little bit prepared for that one. So if you're not necessarily into a darker retelling or a darker story, um, that one might not be for you. So that's why I say coven, because even though there's, like smutty you know smutty scenes and stuff it's it's not um there's some darker undertones like you will see like there is the whole alpha you know male vibe going on there with like your you know submissive female vibe who's also uh you know kind of a badass heroine at the same time um so it's a little bit more kind of friendly to to all types of tropes if that makes sense So would you give the coven also to someone who has decided the paranormal romance is their genre and they read it often? Yes, I would because, so it's a great, I like the series because it's a great introductory into paranormal if you are like looking to be introduced into the genre, but it's also good for people who love the genre because it is classic. It does have a lot of great paranormal elements. Like I said, with like bringing in the different supernatural species, the different shifters, there's um, a hybrid factor. There's um, a whole soulmate factor of kind of uh, if you take, like the werewolf concept of faded mates, but you know, they don't call them faded mates except for the actual lichens and werewolves that exist in the world. Um, there's multiple realms. Each story is a little different. You know, there's different aspects to it. There's other demigods that get bought in throughout the series. So it's, it's a kind of, to me, I feel like it's like a classical paranormal romance that it has, all the right elements to make it a great introductory to the, to the genre, but it's also that classic that makes it like you enjoy it. So you just want to enjoy a classic paranormal romance because, you know, a lot of times with paranormal romance, especially now, a lot of people um, get a little crazy with it. And and that's not bad um, because I know I definitely have gotten my crazy versions of paranormal romance that I've written, but uh, sometimes it's nice to have that classic just, you know, what you originally got into the genre for, if that makes, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you want those people, you want both of them. You want the people who are just getting into it to be able to enjoy it, but also the seasoned veterans of the genre to find enjoyment in it as well. Exactly. And it's, it's like I said, it's a fun series. It's a good series. There's a lot of different elements. Each, you know, book in the series has something a little different for each paranormal, you know, uh, offer something to each paranormal lover, you know, so there's, you know, hybrids, um, there's different types of shifters that get bought in. There's the demigod factor. There's multiple realms. Um, there is a werewolf slash lichen factor. Like, I don't know, you know, I'm a big werewolf lichen person. Like they're definitely my favorite top number one supernatural out of all of them. So I do write a lot of werewolf and lichen romance. Um, but I do obviously like to add in other, you know, other things like were- warlocks and witches and uh, different shifters like phoenixes and unicorns, gargoyles. So, and I like that 
this series has a little bit of everything in there. Like it's not just focused on one type of supernatural. A lot of paranormal romances focus on just like one or two supernatural races. They might, you know, mention a few others, you know, they might get brought into, you know, conversation, but this really does feature several different types of shifters, different hybrids, warlocks, witches. Um, So you get a lot of different, um, different things in it so you know each book's a little brings a little something new to the table brings us something a little new interesting a new supernatural to kind of explore and and see um different powers different abilities for you know each thing for you know so it's very it's very um spread out with what it has and it's spread out in a good way where you're getting a little bit of everything and not just kind of one or two things it's kind of bringing everything in so i hear the little newborn in the background yes she is not deciding she doesn't know what she wants she's like she doesn't know if she wants the bottle the binky she's just you know trying to figure out her baby life (laughs) how has it um changed things to be juggling a newborn a set of twins and trying to be an author it is a challenge. Um, when I started, you know, I started writing probably seven years ago. And so that was a long time before kids came into the picture. And then I kind of took a break because I, I moved to Georgia. I was restarting in a new area. Um, and then I ended up, you know, meeting my now fiance and we have our kiddos. And so when the girls got introduced into the picture, I think I started really truly getting back into writing when they were a little over a year old and they kind of were getting into like the whole fairy tale thing you know getting into uh like the disney movies and stuff and so rewatching all the princess movies is kind of what inspired children of the empire um to get me back into being into the you know writing mode and then that's just kind of spurred everything on since then um now it's like writing is and writing is definitely therapeutic for me. It really does help with like my anxiety and my depression and just, you know, a healthy coping mechanism to express how I feel. And now, um, so it's been interesting, you know, I found the balance with the twins. And so now I have to find a new balance with the, the new little addition. Um, so I kind of, I've been kind of taking a break. Like I'm still writing um, and still working on things, but I'm just not kind of like, hardcore working through it especially with the holidays you know literally right around the corner um things become uh, a little bit more uh crazy you know there's more events to go to and things like that so it is definitely a challenge to find a new balance and uh i totally forgot all about the newborn stage and uh considering the twins are going to be four next month um totally forgot about the newborn stage and the little demands that they have um and little Miss Maeve is definitely, uh, she's got some gas going on too right now. So if you hear her, she's grunting, trying to figure all that out. <laughs> so it's been, uh, it's been interesting to figure, to figure out, um, a new balance, but I still, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm figuring it out. I'm determined. <laughs> so you mentioned you had moved to Georgia a couple of years ago. Um, what is a couple of the biggest differences you've noticed between 
where you used to live in New Jersey to where you live now in Georgia? So, um, the biggest thing is, um, Southern hospitality is a real thing. Um, it's a very different, like up North is all like, at least where I come from, you know, up and up North was very, you know, everyone's in a rush. Everyone's go, 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 get out of my way. People don't really take the time to like stop and talk or be sociable. It's just kind of everyone's doing their own thing. Um, trying to get from point A to point B and, you know, they don't really appreciate it if you're in their way. Um, it's just a very fast pace. Um, down here it is slower. It's a little bit more relaxed. People are a lot more sociable. You know, I've stopped and talked to strangers in Kroger or Walmart and had full fledged conversations for, you know, 45 minutes to an hour that like does not usually happen up North unless you know the person personally. Um, but people are very, um, nice down here. They're just that Southern hospitality. There's a lot of just a lot more friendliness, slower pace. Like not everyone's in a rush to get everywhere. You can kind of take your time, there's a lot less horn honking, that's for sure. I mean, not so much when you get into Atlanta, you know, that's a city, but in the suburbs, there's a lot less horn, lot, lot less horn honking and just kind of people taking it easy. And I kind of enjoy that. It's a lot less stressful. <laughs> um, then I will say the probably the next biggest thing is the food. Um, so like down here is a lot of comfort food it's a lot of like your barbecue and your like fried chicken and mac and cheese and there's also like in this particular area um i don't know about where you are um up in north georgia but there's a lot of mexican restaurants down like in my area um and i enjoy mexican food so i'm all about it um but the barbecue fried chicken like tons of just like comfort food where like up north i feel like it's like burgers and pizza and philly cheesesteaks <laughs> Which is not a bad thing. I enjoy all those things. Um, but just definitely like different. Where like you have a barbecue place on every corner down here. Up north, it's like you have a pizza place on every corner. Um, there's a lot more like mom and pop like pizza shops and like bagel shops and sub shops up north. Where like down here, I find there's more like um small businesses in the sense that like like offering goods, you know what I mean? Like not necessarily food goods, but like it's their personal own little store where they make their like handmade crafts and things like that. So that's kind of a difference. Um, oh my goodness, child, we are just working out our life, aren't we? Um, so there are definitely some differences, but I prefer living down here. Um, I enjoy the weather. I enjoy the environment a lot more. Um, I'm definitely happy to be raising my kids down here. Um, a lot, like I said, uh, when we were chatting a little earlier, a lot of people always ask me and be like, do you want to, would you ever move back North? And I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> um, I, I just enjoy being in the South. It's kind of more my speed. And, uh, but there are definitely, I obviously miss certain things. Like I miss, um, I miss the pizza and I miss, you know, Philly pretzels. Um, because the soft pretzels down here are not, not the same. Actually, I don't even think you can really find soft pretzels. Like, unless you go to like quick check or something, but even that's not really a soft pretzel when you've had like actual Philly soft pretzels <laughs> or like gone to New York and had a soft pretzel. But Hey, um, we have really good barbecue down here. So I will take that. 
just as much. It's like a trade-off if uh, trading off uh, different foods. I'm such a food junkie. Like I'm a food me too. Person. Oh my gosh, food is like I'm all about food. Like food is food is life to me. I am all about uh, trying new foods, trying new restaurants. I'm definitely a food person. I love to cook, and I well, I like to bake, but I don't love to bake. I rather cook than bake. Um, I pretty much bake. I bake a lot for the holidays. Like I did a whole bunch of like Christmas cookies and stuff like that. Uh, and I will bake certain things from, you know, scratch, but a lot of times I'm gonna be honest, I bake from the box, but when it comes to cooking, I like to cook from scratch. I'm more of a cooker than a baker. Yeah. I am regaining my love for cooking. I've always enjoyed cooking. I originally, um, was going to go to culinary school and become a chef. But then I had decided that I didn't really want to do that, that I was kind of like, I don't know. I was like, I'd rather just keep this as a hobby. So I ended up going to um, becoming a medical assistant and working in the medical field for about five to six years before um, I moved down here. And then once I moved down here, I kind of, got out of the medical field and just kind of enjoyed, you know, kind of setting up everything. And then before I knew it, I was having kids and I was like, I, I'm, I'm not going back to work anytime soon. Um, which, which was fine by me. I was, I'm happy to be a stay at home mom. And it actually gives me time to, to work on my writing a little bit more too, which is definitely my dream and what I've always wanted to pursue since I was a teenager. So, um, it's nice to be able to work on my dreams and kind of as much as I enjoyed working in the medical field, it was, uh, it was nice to put it behind me. You're speaking of medical. You're also a big advocate for mental health. Did that start when you were in a medical assistant or did that start prior to that? It started prior to that. Um, I have depression, um, general anxiety and, um, complex PTSD. So, um, I have a chemical imbalance in my brain that, you know, causes my depression. So for me, I have always struggled with mental illness. Like personally, it's just always been something that has been in my life. And, um, unfortunately I didn't really start working on it until, my early twenties, um, early to mid twenties, I would say is when I really started like getting, like going to therapy and getting help and, um, doing, um, DBT and really just kind of getting it under control. Um, so it became really important to me because I realized a lot of the reason why I never got help sooner was because of the stigma that surrounds, mental health and not only that but you know this concept that kids can't have depression or can't have anxiety or can't have something you know they're not allowed to have something wrong with them because I can't tell you how many times I was told as a teenager what do you have to be depressed about what do you have to have anxiety about you're just you know you don't have any real problems um and how belittled it became and it wasn't necessarily that I 
had problems, but there was a chemical imbalance in my brain. And that's obviously not something that is related to a situation. Um, a lot of my anxiety and my PTSD obviously comes from traumatic events. And um, so like when you're reading like my books, you're, there's certain things that you're going to be like, Oh crap. Um, and when you do those oh crap moments, yes, the chances are that really did happen to me in some way, shape or form. Um, so I just, as I became an adult and as I became more involved with my own mental health and getting the help that I needed, I just became more of an advocate for people to speak up and to want to get the help. Um, before I moved, when I lived up in New Jersey, I was um, part of a group. I originally started off in the group as a, like a member, but then I ended up helping the woman lead it um, and helping young women, um, you know, teenagers and stuff and, and young adults who struggled with mental health in a variety of different ways. A lot of them either had eating disorders or um, self-harmed. I was a big self-harmer as a teenager and in my early 20s, I because I didn't know how to cope like that. I didn't know how to deal with my with my mental health. So I, I had unhealthy coping mechanisms. And so, you know, the program was really focused around helping you know, the, the young adults and the, and the teenagers, you know, who were dealing with depression and anxiety and PTSD from, you know, traumatic events, because uh, this misconception that PTSD is just for soldiers or cops, you know, yes, they definitely have PTSD, but you can have it from any traumatic event in your life. Um, and unfortunately for me, I've had many traumatic events, um, but they've all made me a lot stronger in the end. So, you know, working with the youth and working with them. And it really became a passion for me to bring awareness and just kind of break that stigmatism that, you know, you can't have problems as a teenager because, you know, especially nowadays, like, I don't even know how I would survive being a teenager nowadays, to be quite honest with social media. Like, Social media was a, like barely a thing when I was in high school. Like, I think MySpace came out when I was in high school, like, to be quite honest, like, it was totally a new thing. There wasn't any of the cyber bullying. I mean, we had to deal with the classic bullying, you know, like where you had to be bullied in school. And that sounds horrible to say, but like, that's how it was. But nowadays it's like, you have, you know, I would listen to these kids who would, you know, who had to deal with cyber bullying. And I'm like, I don't know if I could survive by like being a teenager nowadays. Um, but it just became a, a serious passion for me and I just, I'm all about it. And so like, even in my books, like a lot of my characters will deal with some type of mental illness. And now even I've become really passionate for like autism because my daughters got diagnosed uh, over the summer with being on the spectrum and, you know, just seeing the stigmatism that surrounds that and it is something that I'm, I'm really passionate about breaking as well, because it's just, you know, there's such there's such beautiful little girls and a lot of people are like well why don't you uh, you know I never like made like the big social media announcement that my kids were diagnosed and people are like well why don't you do that are you ashamed and I'm like no it's not because I'm ashamed but I just want you to see them for who they are you know I don't want you to judge them based on a diagnosis I want you to see them for who they are um and a lot of people you know who I do tell you know, that I talk to, you know, they're good friends or whatever. A lot of them are like, oh, I don't see them having that. But that's because they see them for who they are and not for a diagnosis. And that's what I want for them. Um, so 
that's kind of why I'm a big, I'm a big mental health advocate, big advocate for these types of things, just because I've dealt with it personally. Um, I have, you know, I lost my stepbrother to a heroin overdose. You know, he struggled really hard with addiction. So I'm very passionate about, you know, helping people with that, with, with a lot, with these types of things, you know, reaching out and building that community, breaking that stigmatism that it's okay to get help. Um, and, you know, still continue to this day. I mean, I still, yes, I've gotten all my help, but I still struggle. I still have my bad days. And I know when I need, you know, a therapeutic measure that's in a healthy therapeutic measure. Um, and writing definitely serves as that for me. So I really just, you know, want to bring awareness because I know the chances are someone out there who's reading is gone through it or is going through it. Yeah, that definitely had very close to home with all the things that I have in my past and people in my life, different things that different people are dealing with or have dealt with. Yeah. Um, I think, I think probably everybody knows somebody that is dealing with something, whether they know, they know that they're that person or not, but yeah. Yeah. Everyone. And that's the thing, you know, a lot of people feel like they have to keep their their mental illness to themselves and they have to suffer in silence but that's just so unhealthy and i didn't realize it was unhealthy for the longest time i suffered in silence i just kept it all to myself and it became really damaging and i developed unhealthy habits you know i developed self harm habits that because i didn't know how else to cope because i didn't feel because i was trying to handle it all on my own and it became, you know, I became toxic to myself, you know, that I just didn't know how to handle these things. And finally, I just kind of hit a crossroads one day, like, I think I was about 22, 23. And I was at my absolute worst with with harming myself. And I just kind of knew I was on this path. And I was like, I, I kind of found myself at a crossroads where it was like, I either get help now, or I'm going to end up dead. Like it was one of those type of crossroads and I decided I was going to get help and I asked for help and it wasn't easy. You know, no one said asking for help is going to be an easy task, but it became really worth it in the long run. And I was really surprised about the amount of people who rallied behind me and kind of helped me build a support system that I still have to this day. Support is so big. It really is. That's like one of the, you really do. Like, that's one of the things people teach you or like one of the big things I learned in like doing therapy and stuff was like having a support system. And, um, it's definitely, definitely important. And like, there are people who are going to come and go in your support system for one reason or another, but it's always important to have a support system. It is. And Staying with the support, but flipping a little bit on the topic, um, what is some advice you would give to a new author or somebody who wants to be an author? So my big thing is a, lo- a lot of people get, I find like when I'm talking to people who want to write or are just starting out, they don't, they either don't think they can do it or they don't have the talent to do it. Um, or they're kind of, you know, well, what if no one likes what I write or, you know, things like that. My thing is write what you want to write because there's going to be somebody who's going to want to read it. Um, you might not think that, but there are 
hundreds of different types of readers out there and there is a genre for everybody. Um, literally, I mean, with all the different genres and subgenres, there is something out there and you can find a genre that you want to write in and what you want to write in, there's going to be somebody who's going to want to read it. Um, but most importantly, just write, even if it's not perfect the first time, like, trust me, like my first couple of books. And even now when I start a book, it's not perfect. Um, it definitely, you have to go back and tweak it and rewrite and, and do things like that. Um, there's definitely a lot less rewriting for me now because I've been doing it for so long and I've gotten myself a system where I can develop my plots and characters pretty easily. Um, but I still have to go back and edit and add things, take things away. I hate the way that was worded. What was I thinking type um, moments. But the important thing is that I'm writing, that I'm getting the words out and it doesn't have to be perfect. There's this, I feel like, like my one friend who um, is just getting started on her writing journey. She has this concept that everything has to be perfect the first time she puts it down on. on. And it's like, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's okay if it's not perfect because you're going to go back and rewrite it anyway, or you're going to go back over and edit and you can change it. But if you're getting the story out there, you're getting your flow, you're developing your characters. I have notebooks galore in my house. Like literally every book gets a notebook of some sort um, where I can... And different things. Every story is different. There's not like not every story is done the same way. I do every story a little different, but I always have a notebook for it for how it's gonna go. Um, so if you're writing, if you're doing it, that's the important part. Don't worry about it being perfect. You're gonna go back. You're gonna edit it. You're gonna rewrite it. And don't worry about like people. I've heard people be like, "But I don't want to rewrite it." But you have to rewrite it. Like. Every one of us does a little bit of rewriting in our books. It's just how it goes. Um, even the best-selling authors, they still go back and rewrite parts of their books, even if it's just one line. That's still technically rewriting. Um, so as long as you're writing, as long as you're doing it, like, and, and people will be like, oh, I want to do it because I want to write a bestseller or I want to make money. And I'll be honest with you, not everybody writes a bestseller, but that doesn't mean your book isn't good. Like just, I, trust me, I've read bestsellers and there's, and I've read them and I'm sometimes I'm like, yeah, I can see why this is a bestseller. And then there's other times where I'm like, I don't understand why this is a bestseller. Um, so don't go in with these goals that you're going to write bestsellers. And if you don't make a bestseller list, it means your book's not good. That's totally not true. Um, and also chances are you're not going to make a lot of money right away if you ever make a lot of money I know that sounds horrible to say but I feel like writing has to be your passion and it has to be something you want to do because you want to do it not because you're trying to get something from it if that if that if that makes sense it's not to discourage anybody it's just don't go into this with the wrong goals in mind because you might end up disappointed if you do Yes, there has to be some passion behind it or you're not going to get through those mundane times when things aren't moving like you want them to. Yes, yes. Like you're going to have some month, like I have someone where like I do really great and I'm like, yay, income. And then there's some months where I'm like, oh no, what happened? Why is no one reading or why is no one buying? But like, it's not because it's just, it's how it is. Like some months are going to be better than others. You know, it's just how it goes unfortunately and then on those months where it's not going super great 
you get hard on yourself. You're like, if you get that imposter syndrome starts to creep in and you have to remind yourself that you're doing like, I have always constantly like, okay, but I'm not doing it for this reason. I'm doing it because I like to write. This is my passion. This is my therapy. I'm doing this because I want to do it not because I'm looking to get something from it. I mean, it's nice when I get something from it, but it's definitely not always the case. Well, Bertie, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Um, before we let you go, what book is on your nightstand right now? Um, so I am reading Come True um, by Brindy Quinn. It's a genie paranormal romance that's it's uh, on my Kindle right now. I hardly I feel like I hardly buy paperbacks anymore. I wish I... I I wish I had more room. I need to find a house where I can build my own library. <laughs> but uh, I that's what I'm currently reading right now. And I am really enjoying it. I wish I could read at a faster pace. I'm like, I wish I could read like I did back before I had kids. But, uh, you know, that's, I read, everyone's like, do you set reading goals? I'm like, no, I, I read when I want to now. Because half the time I feel like I'm lucky that I have a chance to read for five minutes. <laughs> Same. Same. <laughs> yeah. Once you add kids into the mix, it's a whole different ball game, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's good. And I love my kids, but there's moments where I'm like, I kind of miss that moment. But then I'm like, wait a minute. Eventually they're going to be out of the house and then I'm going to have emptiness syndrome. So I might as well enjoy the craziness while I can. Well, thank you, Bernie, for taking time to come to us and let us learn a little bit about you. Um, yes. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm excited to see all of the fun things you have planned out for 2023. Me too. It should be a good fun year. This has been Tony Kirkland with the Hidden Bookshelf Club. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss future episodes, which we release on Tuesday and Thursday mornings. If you're looking for more gems, make sure you're a part of our online community book club site and subscribe to our magazine and newsletter. Also, you can follow our blog and our social sites, which are Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Goodreads, and TikTok. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode. Happy readings!